Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, brought to you by BetterHelp.com. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Now I want to have a word about our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp can assist. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. Within 24 hours, you can start communicating. You'll be able to meet in a safe, private, online environment at your convenience. No need to worry about waiting rooms or travel conditions. This can all be done from your own home. You can send a message to your counselor at any time, and you'll receive a timely and thoughtful uh, response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. It's more affordable uh, than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. The service is available worldwide, and they have a a broad range of expertise available, including depression, anxiety, sleep, and relationships. And anything you share is confidential. I'd encourage you to uh, check out the testimonials that are posted daily over at their website to get an idea of how the service works and has benefited other patients. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash box13. Join more than 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp.com slash box13. Now it's time for today's episode of Under Arrest. The original air date, August the 1st of 1948, and the title is The Spook of Sherwood Mansion. Mutual presents Under Arrest. Into your cell. Criminals behind bars. Under Arrest. The story of police captain Jim Scott's fight against crime. Miss Sherwood. I feel a little foolish, but I'd like to ask you a favor. Do what I can. It's something I don't want to talk to the police about. They've been so kind, and they've really done everything. Has something new happened? I mean, has there been another ghost? It's the same one, I think. Oh, I know it sounds as though I'm imagining things, but if you heard the same things I hear, and if you saw the same things I see, well, what I mean is... Would you spend the night at my house tonight, Miss Webb? I think you've got a very good idea there. In fact, I'd love to. Busy, Captain Scott? Just a little, but come on in. How are you and the Times-Herald coming with your haunted house? So far, I've been able to build it into one of those three-day wonders. Is that bad? I wish you luck, but I think the only thing that's haunted is your girlfriend's skull. 
I don't blame you. Makes a good story. Maybe you can sell it to the movies. What are you featuring on your typewriter today? Nothing, except the ghost walked again last night. Shall I read it to you? Sure, shoot. How do you like my headline? Hmm? Spook of Sherwood Mansion defies housing shortage. Nice twist. Thanks. Invisible intruder beats rent gougers again. I like your angle. Janet Sherwood, whose parents, Mr. and Mrs. Douglas E. Sherwood, are vacationing in Europe, reports second visitation from unseen spirit at old Sherwood Mansion on Madison Avenue. Disorder in library suggests literary leanings in supernatural snooper, but the police find nothing missing. Mighty decent of you to mention us policemen, Miss Webb. Mighty decent. You think Janet Sherwood is just a crackpot, don't you? <laughs> I think she's a highly imaginative young lady who shouldn't live in that big barn of a house all by herself. She ought to take a room in a hotel till her father and mother get back. You may be right, but I've got news for you. What's that? I'm spending the night with her tonight. Well, I hope you have fun, but I'm afraid it'll be pretty dull. You don't believe her story at all. I think Miss Sherwood reads too many ghost stories. Maybe she even walks in her sleep. I sent a couple of men over there, and they couldn't find anything. But how about the library? Didn't they see the way the books were all pulled out? Well, maybe she pulled them out herself and forgot all about it. All I know is there's no evidence of robbery. Nothing's been beat up or murdered, so what are we supposed to do? Sit up all night and hold Miss Sherwood's hand? That's what I'm going to do tonight. <laughs> You'll do anything for a story, won't you? One way of making a living. All right. I'll tell the patrolman on the beat to keep an eye on the place. lights out and pretend to go to sleep? I guess we'd better. Gee, I'm glad you're here, Miss Webb. Why don't you call me Susan, Janet? Okay. You know, I just can't believe I imagined all these things. Well, let's see what happens. I'll switch off the light. Susan! Listen! I heard it too. There it is again. Oh. Oh, I think I know what that is. It's it's just a plain, ordinary alley cat. I guess you're right. Oh, I, I wish they'd stop. So do I. Cats can sound so terribly human. But I'm sure it's just cats. Oh, there, they're quieting down now, thank goodness. Let's us be quiet, too, and see if our ghost shows up. You don't believe my story, do you? Of course I believe your story. I believe there's a sensible explanation. I don't believe in ghosts either. It, it, it's just that I'm sure I heard things. And, and all those books were pulled down in the library and, uh, and the police couldn't find well, anything. Well, if, if we hear anything tonight, maybe we can find out what it's all about. Oh, goodness, I'm sleepy. Be a fine thing if we both dozed off. I'm sleepy too. Well, I'll keep pinching myself. hear anything? I'm not sure. Listen. There. I'm sure I heard something that time. What does it sound like? I don't know. It was like someone moving around down in the library. I guess the only thing to do is to go down and look. Should we call the police? Oh, we haven't much to go on. We, we might look pretty foolish. Uh, I guess you're right. Come on. We'll, we'll sneak down in the dark. Very quietly. 
there. What was that? I don't know. Look. Someone's using a flashlight. Yes, but they just turned it off. <laughs> Listen to that. Oh, what shall we do? Whoever it is is gone. Where's the light switch? Right here. Susan, look. Oh, good heavens. I wonder if he's dead. That's the doorbell. I'll get it. Who can it be? Probably the police car on the beat. He heard the shots. Well, what do you make of it, Jim? Well, what I make of it is I should have taken your haunted house more seriously. You did all you could do. I, I don't blame you for thinking Janet Sherwood was a crackpot. I did myself until it was too late. Well, we found out how the killer and his victim slipped by the patrolman. How? The service entrance is pretty dark, and it goes all the way through the next block. How did they get into the house? We found a skeleton key on the corpse that opened the basement door. And here's the funny thing. We also found that one of the basement windows had been jimmied, and we definitely know it hadn't been jimmied when we checked up before the murder. What do you make of that? Looks like the victim knew his way around and went in alone. But then the victim was the ghost. Yeah. The other guy must have followed him and didn't have a key and had to use the window. Any ideas on motive? No, but it looks like our ghost was sort of spooky at that. Look at this. What is it? Report from the medical examiner. Hmm. Examination of deceased head reveals evidence of extensive plastic su- plastic surgery. Yeah, had his face lifted. Well, what about his fingerprints? Nothing on the records. Well, that's funny. You'd think if he'd had his face lifted, he'd be hiding from somebody. And if he's hiding, he must have a police record. Police isn't the only thing you hide from. Well, what was he after? What was he looking for? There never was anything missing. Yeah. I think I'll have another talk with Janet Sherwood. You don't want to come along, do you? (laughs) What do you think? Miss Sherwood, are you absolutely certain there's nothing missing? Well, I I can't be absolutely sure. I've... I've checked everything I can think of. Well, what about the library? That's where it happened. Does your father have a hidden wall safe back of the bookshelves or anything like that? Father has a wall safe, but it's upstairs. What about the books? Are any of them especially valuable? He has some first editions, but I've, I've checked all those. Are there any books missing? Any kind of books? It's hard to be sure. that There are so many books, I wouldn't know whether one of them is missing or not. Yeah, like missing one neon sign on Broadway. Wait a minute. There's one book I never thought of. I I just this minute remembered it. What's the book? You remember it, Susan. I I brought it home from the office last night. You you were kidding me about it. You mean that book about the haunted house? Yes. I've been too nervous to read it ever since I started hearing these noises. I left it at the office, and then last night I brought it home. Why did you decide to bring it home? Well, all all the people at the office read the newspaper stories about my haunted house, and, and when they saw a book about a haunted house on my desk, they accused me of making up the story. Is it missing? I don't know. But I'm sure I left it right on top of the desk in the library. Let's look. Huh? It's not there. Maybe you put it somewhere else. No. No, I'm positive. That's where it was when you saw it. Do you remember? Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. What was the name of the book? It was La Vite Invisible. Huh? 
It was translated from the French, The Unseen Guest by Émile Bonnard. Oh. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it your own book? Yes, I, I just bought it a few days ago. Before you heard the noises in the house or after? Just before. How did you happen to buy a book like that? Oh, I always liked ghost stories, and until this happened... Where did you buy it? I saw it in the window of a little second-hand bookshop. What shop? In a little place on 15th Street. Had you ever been in there before? No. That's why he asked me for my name and address. He said he'd put me on his mailing list. Was that his idea or yours? Well, it was his. Hmm. You say it was a little place. You mean it was really small? Well, the shop was small, but it was packed with books. Just one man run it? Yes. He was a curious little man. I'd like to meet him. Maybe you'll introduce me to him. Why, sure. Anytime. How about right now? Mr. Lerner, do you remember selling a book to this young lady? It was about three days ago. I probably did. I'd like to do better than that. Can't you answer yes or no? Ah, but so many customers come into my shop. Look, the b book I bought was called The Unseen Guest by Emile Bonnard. Ah, yes. I do remember selling a copy of that book. Do you remember selling it to me? Well, to tell you the truth... You I... ought to remember. You asked her for her name and address. Ah, I remember her now, of course. You wanted her name and address for your mailing list. That is right. Mm. What do you send out to your mailing list, Mr. Lerner? Oh, little booklets, announcements of different books we get. May I see one of these booklets you send out? Well, you see, they have not come from the printers yet. What's the name of the printer? I have not decided which printer I will use. In other words, you haven't even ordered the booklets. Not yet, no. Hmm. How about the mailing list? Can I see that? It is not complete yet. How about letting me see it as far as it goes? It is just a... A few scribbled notes here and there. I see. May uh, I ask Mr. Lerner a question? Sure, Susan. Go ahead. Mr. Lerner, do you happen to have another copy of the book you sold, Miss Sherwood? I'm afraid not. It is quite an old book, and I don't get a copy of it very often. What's that on that shelf up there? Where? There. Looks like the same title. Well, let me see. Oh, so it is. I did not realize I had another copy. Anna Donnelly, will you, Mr. Lerner? Yes. I can just about reach. Uh, just for the fun of it, yes. let me see if you can reach it with your left arm. My left arm? But I'm not left-handed. Why should I use my left arm? Let's say I'm kind of curious about a bulge I see under your left arm. A bulge? Yes. There. That wouldn't be a gun, would it? <laughs> you are very observing, Captain. That is a gun. I suppose you have a permit. Oh, yes. There have been several holdups in this neighborhood, and I applied for a gun permit. May I see it? Well, certainly. Right here in this drawer. There, Captain. Thanks. Hmm. Okay, Mr. Lerner. I'm glad you have this permit. Of course. Otherwise, I would not have the gun. Let me have a look at your gun, Mr. Lerner. Very well. There. Hmm. Why are you so interested in my gun? I just wanted to see what kind of a bullet it shoots. It doesn't shoot the kind I'm interested in. And may I ask what kind you are interested in? The kind you shoot ghosts with. Huh? You don't happen to have another gun, do you? Oh, no, no. Only this one. Okay. Put it away. 
Now, let's see that book. I did not realize I had this copy. Wait a minute. Where's your wrapping paper? Uh, uh, wrapping paper? Here it is, Jim. Yeah. Here. Put the book on this. You wish to, to buy it? No, no. I'll just borrow it. I have a friend who'd like to read it. He's an expert. An expert on thumbprints. <laughs> Well, I seem to have drawn another blank. How do you mean, Jim? That book. There was an outside chance I'd find Janet Sherwood's fingerprints on it. That would have meant it was the same one missing from her home. And that wouldn't look so good for our friend Leonard. But we didn't find her prints. Why do you suppose he didn't want to admit he had another copy? Maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe he forgot he had it. Hmm. Are you sure it isn't the book we're looking for? How can you be sure? Could have wiped it clean, but... Then why would he put it back on the shelves and then deny he had it? My hunch is it's not the book. But I've also got another hunch. What's the hunch? I don't think the book itself is very valuable. How do you mean? I mean, there it was sitting right in Lerner's window. Anybody who wanted it could pick it up for the price of a second-hand book. But as soon as Miss Sherwood buys it, the devil breaks loose and we end up with a murder. Well, I, I see what you mean, but it, it doesn't ring any bell with me. I don't see the angle. The only angle I see is that somebody slipped something into that book. A slip of paper or something. And they must have done it between the time Lerner took it out of the window and the time he wrapped it up and handed it to her. Now I'm beginning to catch up. But who else was in the store? Janet Sherwood says nobody. Ah, that makes Mr. Lerner look slightly behind the eight ball. Yeah. Doesn't get us anywhere because it's only a theory. You could probably work out six other theories just as good. But for now, I'll stick to this one. And suppose you're right, Jim. In that case, Mr. Lerner slipped something into the book because he wanted to get rid of it temporarily. And he took down Janet's name and address so he could get it back again. But somebody else wanted it, too. And when they met in the library, Lerner bumped him off. But you examined Lerner's gun. He could have had another one. How did the other man know Janet had the book? <laughs> he didn't have to know she had it. All he had to do was to keep following Lerner, and Lerner led him right to the Sherwood Library. Then why was it the murdered man had the skeleton key? Lerner could have planted it on him just to get rid of it. How about fingerprints? It was wiped clean. That's why I think it was planted. Otherwise, it would have had the victim's prints on it. Well, it makes a picture, but as you say, it's all theory. Nothing to get your teeth into. Yeah. But the beauty of it is, if it's right, it'll pay off and pay off fast. If it's wrong, I'm just a dumb cop. But if it pays off, why do you think it'll pay off fast? Because you're going to help me. Me? How? You're going to write a big exclusive feature story for your newspaper. Tell me more. You're going to scoop the whole field on that little talk we had with Mr. Lerner. Only you're not going to mention his name or address. All you're going to say is, uh certain little man who runs a certain little bookshop, sold a certain book, and a certain character whose face was loaded with plastic surgery got bumped off. And here, put these two. Look at these. What are they? Pictures of the victim before he had his face lifted. Where'd you get them? 
had an artist working with our medical examiner, reconstructing the face to show what it might have looked like before it was changed. That's a smart idea. Okay, go to it. And by the way... What? Be sure you put your name at the top of this story. Oh, I always do, don't I? Yeah, but you might forget. I wouldn't want that to happen on this one. This will probably be the most important byline you'll ever write. What makes you think so? I have an idea. Somebody's going to ask you for the name and address of the little bookshop. And if they do, you give it to them. But don't let them get out of your sight. Yes? You are Miss Susan Webb. Yes, I'm Miss Webb. I must apologize for calling at your apartment in the evening, but I did not think it wise to interrupt you at your office. What's it about? Actually, it's a personal matter. I would like to ask a favor. May I come in for just a moment? Yes, come in. Thank you so much. You are Miss Susan Webb of the Times Herald, are you not? Yes, that's where I work. Oh, this is a lovely apartment. Yes, it's very nice. So high up, too. It's cool in the summer. Quite a view from the windows. On a clear day, it's a wonderful view. It's a long way down to the street. Does it ever make you nervous to look down to the street? Oh, no. I'm used to it. Good for you. Well, this favor I would like to How did you know where I live? Oh, very simple. I had only to refer to the telephone book. I see. Fortunately, you live alone. Otherwise, your telephone might have been in your husband's name. You do live alone, don't you? Oh, yes. All alone. Well, I read your piece in the newspaper about the little bookshop. It was very interesting. Thank you. You see, I'm very interested in bookshops. I know quite a few of them because I'm always collecting books and I never know where I will find something I'm looking for. Sort of a uh, hobby? Yes. I thought perhaps if you would give me the name and address of this shop you mentioned, I might find it an excellent place to look around. I'll be glad to give it to you. It's run by Mr. Maxine Lerner at 103 East 15th Street. Ah, I'll write that down. Mr. Maxine Lerner. Yes, 103 East 15th Street. 103 East 15th Street. That's right. Thank you very much. You don't happen to know Mr. Lerner's home address? Yes, he lives over the shop. The shop is part of his house. Splendid. I'm leaving town in the morning, and I might telephone him tonight about some books I'm trying to locate. Uh, I have his telephone number. That would be very kind. Would you like to phone him now? You, you can use my phone. Oh, I wouldn't think of troubling you. I'll just take down the number. It's Chestnut 4607. Chestnut 4607. Yes. You've been most helpful, Miss Webb. Not at all, Mr... Franklin. Paul Franklin. I'm very glad I could help you, Mr. Franklin. I'm most grateful. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miss Webb. Who is there? Who is there? Oh, I'll take your gun. You won't need it. <laughs> Now, go in and we'll close the door. What is this? We will go into a back room and then you will switch off the lights in the store. And don't try to be clever. Now, Mr. Lerner, I would like to have the formula. What formula? 
The new atom formula, which you are hoping to sell for a great deal of money. I do not know what you are talking about. Oh, come now, Mr. Lerner. Seems that you and I are in the same business. I still do not know what you mean. Just to show you I know what I'm talking about, I'll tell you about my business. Then I'll tell you about yours. My business is very simple. I am a thief. I steal all kinds of secrets. Secrets about new materials of war. Secrets about new defenses and new weapons. Then, when I have stolen these secrets, I sell them to whoever will pay me the most money. Does that sound anything like the business you are in, Mr. Lerner? I am in the business of selling books. I will refresh your recollection. A short time ago, there was a new and secret atom formula developed, and my partner and I tried to steal it, but someone got there ahead of us. Then my partner picked up the trail of this person who got there ahead of us, and I believe he would have succeeded in getting the formula, only this person murdered him in the library of someone named Sherwood. Does that sound familiar to you? Why don't you tell that to the police? They would like to know who the murdered man was. He was a famous international spy, but he became too famous. That's why he had his face lifted. What does all this have to do with me? He was my partner, but I didn't know what happened to him. Now I know. Now you know what? Thanks to the article I read in the paper, I know that you killed him. Because I think you are in the same business that I am. It is not true. You probably saw him watching you from outside your shop, and just then a young lady came in, so you slipped the formula inside the book you sold her and took her name and address. Then my partner followed you, and when you recovered the formula, he tried to get it, and you killed him. Ah, that is a lot of nonsense. In that case, let's talk sense. I think you are in the business of stealing and selling secrets the same as I am. All right. Suppose we say you stole the atom secret, and suppose we say... I will buy it from you. You will buy it? I thought you said you tried to steal it. That is correct. But since I couldn't steal it, I will have to buy it. It's a very good proposition for you, Mr. Lerner. The police are already suspicious of you. It would be very difficult for you to make contacts. But here I am, with plenty of money, ready to do business. And there's another point. What is that? If you decide you don't want to do business with me, I may decide to kill you. Kill me? Why? Because I've been too frank with you. Because now you know who I am, and I don't like that. I see. How much will you pay? $100,000. In cash? In cold American dollars. And I think, since you haven't much choice, I'm being very fair. Show me the money. Show me the formula. It is here, in this book. (laughs) Your favorite hiding place. Let me see it. It is the real thing. Yes. This is it. Now the money. I hate to part with money, Mr. Lerner. You hate to part with money? Yes, money is so valuable, and bullets are so cheap. Bullets? Yes, bullets. seem to be waiting for someone, Miss Webb. What if I am? I think you followed me in your car. In that case, we will use your car instead of mine, and you can be the chauffeur. Step on it. This gun has several more bullets in it. I knew you would follow me, Miss Webb. Did you? That's why I came directly to the little shop. And since you were so afraid you might lose my trail, you didn't stop to telephone Captain Scott. 
Oh, no? Just so happens I phoned him while you were in the bookshop. I think that is a lie. You were afraid to look for a public telephone for fear I might come out of the shop and get away. What makes you so sure? Common sense. Keep straight over 15th Street and then down the drive to the tunnel. Where are we headed for? For the airport. Drive carefully, Miss Webb. We are almost there, Miss Webb, and you are about to have an accident. An accident? Open the door on your side. You're about to fall out at 70 miles an hour. Get your hands off that wheel. I'll drive us both into the nearest telephone I think I'm a little stronger than you are. You get your hands off. See the ladder, get a bullet. I'll take the bullet. Let go of me. Miss Webb, there's something ahead. A roadblock. Turn the car around. 70 miles an hour? Slow it up and turn around. Wait. Don't turn. There's someone behind us. Try to go through the roadblock. Oh, yeah? The boys will get him. He's out like a light. Must have conked himself on the windshield. Oh, I thought we'd both go through it when I slammed on those brakes. You all right? Yeah. I had a chance to get set for it. Where did that roadblock come from? When I saw you head for the tunnel, I figured on the airport, so I got the guard at the toll station to phone ahead. How did you pick up my trail? I never got a chance to phone you. You told me not to take my eyes off you. That's right. Captain Scott? Yes, officer. We just called the detail we left at the bookshop. Lerner was still alive, gave the whole story before he died. Told him this character we just picked up has a stolen atom formula. Here it is. Adam formula. So my hunch was right. Wow. Wow and double wow. But you haven't answered my question. What's that? How did you pick up my trail? I couldn't take my eyes off him long enough to phone you. So what? All I had to do was just not take my eyes off you. Under arrest. Prisoners present and accounted for. You have just heard Under Arrest, presented by Mutual, a new series featuring Joe DeSantis as police captain Jim Scott. Under Arrest is directed by Martin Markner and written by Thornton Leonard. Original music is composed and played by Milton Kane. Susan Webb was played by Margaret Draper. Janet by Patricia Courtley, Lerner by Guy Rep, Paul by Alan Hewitt. All names of persons used in Under Arrest are fictitious. Any resemblance to names of actual persons, living or dead, is coincidental. And now, may I have a moment to tip you off to radio's most entertaining prize-giving program, in which the prizes are large sums of good old United States currency. I'm referring to Three for the Money which is presented by Mutual over many of these stations every Saturday night. Here you have the music by Mark Warner, Mary Small, Russ Emery, a swell dancing party one hour long. And while you enjoy this grand entertainment, comes your chance to play a simple telephone game, the three-for-the-money game everyone's talking about. It's easy to play, it's easy to win. And the cash prizes can run as high as $50,000. For your chance to win big money, our advice is stay by your telephone Saturday night 
and stay tuned to a mutual station for good luck, for good listening, for three for the money. Ralph Paul speaking. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Stay with us for What Makes You Tick, which follows in a moment. Welcome back. I really quite enjoyed uh, this one. Uh, I thought the mystery leading up to Captain Scott having uh, Susan put the newspaper uh, article in was pretty good. Just a lot of them talking and reasoning out the case. And his mind definitely works in some interesting ways in this. Uh, but I really did quite enjoy the villain. There really is something sinister when you're dealing with this smooth, matter-of-fact villain who's got this, you know, big touch of refinement. And the way it's played, I think it really does make him, you know, sound, you know, quite sinister. And that's a bit of a nice pay, uh, change of pace, you know, from so many of the villains who, you know, all sound like Damon Runyon characters. So all in all, I thought a very strong production. And I hope uh, you enjoyed it as well. And I also want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters of the day. And I want to thank Steve. Steve's been one of our Patreon supporters since May of 2019, currently supporting us at the Detective Sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Steve. And that will actually be all for now. Join us back here tomorrow where we will be uh, doing video theater at videotheater.greatdetectives.net. It'll be the Racket Squad Christmas special. And then on Monday, be sure and listen to Casey Crime Photographer. And next Saturday, we'll be back with another episode of Under Arrest. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>